Acts chapter 2, I'm going to be looking at part of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, and I'm going to start reading in verse 22 and read down through verse 36 of Acts chapter 2. The Bible says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not suffer, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens. But he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou in my right hand, till I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. The title of the message this morning is The Approved. The Approved Sacrifice for Sin. Taken there from verse uh, 22. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love and your mercies. We thank you for the record that you've given us concerning your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, for uh, the willingness to send your Son to be the sacrifice for our sin. Father, we pray as we look into the Word of God today that we can be encouraged and challenged and, and see the love of God demonstrated for, uh, for us and, Father, see the only acceptable sacrifice for sin very clearly spelled out for us and help us to understand these truths that we might better serve you and be a witness and testimony for you. And, Father, if there's any in our midst who do not have the assurance of salvation through Christ Jesus alone, that today they might be born again by the Spirit of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Peter is preaching here on the day of Pentecost, he declares that this Jesus was a man approved of God among you. That word approved means to declare or to show. It has the idea of proving what kind of person uh, anyone is. So he's, he's approved of God or clare, declared or shown among men by God himself who he, who he was. Uh, and, of course, the resurrection, as we're going to be looking at that next week, proves beyond a shadow of doubt who Jesus Christ really is, which Paul declares in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, when he said, Paul, 
a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, that's part of the proving, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And so the writer here of the book of Acts and Peter on the day of Pentecost is declaring to us that God approved by miracles, wonders, and signs. You ever, you know, some years ago, there's this thing going around about, you know, here's your sign. You, know, you remember that? What's well, like, here's your signs. I mean, there's miracles, there's signs, and there's wonders. Now, these words are related in definition. The word miracle means specifically the power of performing miracles. So it refers more to the power uh, uh, that, that he had as the son of God to do things that were extraordinary or beyond normal. The word wonders means a miracle or something wonderful, you know, something that people would wonder at. For example, you know, a star announced his birth. And, and, and when the wise men came to Jerusalem and, and, uh, uh, to uh, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For he has seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. And it says, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with them. They were wondering. They were troubled about all this. This, this, is, this is kind of, this is, a, this is odd. This is, they were in awe about this. Uh, it's a wonder. Uh, when, when Simeon came into the temple and declared his, uh, what the Lord had revealed him to him about the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 2, verses 29 to 32, it says that, that Joseph and his mother marveled those things which were spoken of him. Mark chapter 6 and verse 51, he went up into the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. So this is the idea of wonders. You know, this, people were just amazed at the things that he did. There are signs, it says, it speaks of miracles and wonders which God authenticates the man sent by him. So there's, so there's, this is the idea of authentication. God is a, the Father is authenticating to, to the world that this is Jesus the Christ, as Peter will declare in verse 36. So the, this, is, this, is, this is how God proves or declared to the world the, the only sacrifice for sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to notice three things as we consider this this morning concerning this that, that we might say are signs or miracles or wonders. First of all, his death was prophesied. Now, in verses 22 and 23, again, it says, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you. So he was a man among them. He was a man. He was a man. He was also God, but he was a man. Among you, uh, by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you. You remember when Paul was uh, giving his testimony, I think it was before King Agrippa. And remember, that this is what he said, these things were not done in a corner. In other words, all of, all of Israel knows about this. It's not something that just a few people know about. No, it wasn't done in a corner. And, and this is what, what Peter's saying here. Look, 
ye yourselves also know. It was done in the midst of you, it was among you, and ye yourselves also know. It wasn't that they didn't know about the, the, the miracles, about the wonders, and about the signs. They all knew them. But it reminds us that just because there's miracles, there's wonders and signs, does not necessarily mean people are going to believe. People are going to believe. But he says, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. So, so the first thing I want, I want to notice this morning is, is we're thinking about miracles, wonders, and signs that, that you know, he was approved of God, and he, his death was prophesied of the Lord. Uh, you know, think of all the signs that Jesus gave during his earthly ministry, and all the scriptures he fulfilled, which, which really testify to us like signposts, like, here's your sign. I am he. You know, that he was sent of the Father, declared to be the Son of God. Somebody has said, quote, that at least half, of all Old Testament forecasts converge upon the Lord Jesus Christ, such predictive prophecy is not only an impregnable rock fortress for rational faith, defying all attempted assaults, but a double defense proving the divine origin, inspiration, and authority of Scripture, and a vindication of his deity and messiahship. Unquote. And many of these prophecies were given a thousand to 700 years before he came on the scene. Let's consider some of the signposts here uh, uh, the, about his death being prophesied. First of all, he, it was prophesied he'd be betrayed by a friend. Psalm 41.9 says, Yea, mine own familiar mirror, your friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Of course, we know in Matthew 26, Judas betrayed him. With a kiss. He was sold. He was to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah eleven twelve says, So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. Matthew 27, we know that Judas brought again the 30 pieces of silver. He would be forsaken by his disciples. Zechariah 13, 7 says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. Matthew twenty six fifty six says, But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. He would be accused by false witnesses. Psalm thirty five eleven says, False witnesses rise up, and they laid to my charge things that I knew not. Matthew twenty six fifty nine says, Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death. He was to be mocked and beaten. Micah 5 1 says, They shall smite the judge of Israel with the rod upon the cheek. And Matthew 26 67 and 68 says, Then they did spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? He was to be pierced, hands and feet. Uh, Psalm 22.16 says, For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierce my hands and my feet. Now here's the interesting thing about this. This was a thousand years before the crucifixion. And it was before crucifixion was known as a manner of death penalty. 
the Romans invented the crucifixion. Not, uh, at least not until 600 B.C. Yet the psalmist, a thousand years before Christ, predicted that his feet and his hands would be pierced. John tells us in John 20 that Jesus tells Thomas, Put your hands. Feel my hands. It is I. Put your hand, thrust your hand into my side. It is I. Be not faithless, but believing. He would be crucified with thieves. Isaiah 53, 12 says he was numbered with the transgressors. Mark 15 says with him they crucified two thieves. He was to pray for his persecutors. In Isaiah 53, 12, he made intercession for the transgressors. In Luke 23, 34, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His garments were to be gambled for. Psalm 22:18 says, They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vestures. John 19, 23 says the soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every part, soldier apart. Also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, moving from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, for my vesture did they cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. He was deserted. By God. Psalm 22, 1 says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Matthew 26, 46, again he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Herbert Yalkier, in his book, All the Messianic Prophecies of the Bible, said this, quote, How amazing is the divine grace. Jesus was forsaken of God in that dark hour as he bore and bore away the sin of the world, that he might be able to promise every blood-washed child of his, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. See, the feeling of divine desertion never need be ours. Unquote. You see, he was deserted by the Father. See, knowing these things cannot be denied. How can we refute the claims of his person? Here's your sign. This is the man approved of God. Secondly, not only was he prophet's death prophesied, but his death was provided for us. Now, in verse 23, there's an interesting statement, and I don't know if you ever thought about this before. It says this, Him being delivered... By the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Now we often think it was the Jews and the Romans that crucified Jesus. Well, they they were human instruments by which he was put to death. But it was by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. He was delivered. It says being delivered. That means he was given over. He was delivered up. Delivered up to his enemies or to the power or the will of his enemies. He was given up. That word determinate means to appoint. Now, again, the determinate counsel of God. So he was appointed of the Father. The word counsel means especially of the purpose of God respecting the salvation of men through Christ. Foreknowledge has the idea of forethought. You know, God knows beforehand. You see, 
His death was provided for us. He was not a martyr. He gave his life. He gave his life. Isaiah 53.10 says this, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. You know, to me, this is a wonder. This is amazing. This is a wonder that the Lord would see the travail of his soul. It would please the Lord to bruise him. He, he would, shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify, justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. You see, it was the plan of God that by the death of one, Jesus Christ, many would be justified, many would be made righteous by the lifeblood of the righteous one. It was the plan of God. It was the determinate counsel of God that he would be put to death. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. We see this explained for us in other places. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18. <clears throat> where the Bible says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, notice, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained. In other words, he was pre-appointed. Foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. You know, we have the, the gospel in embryonic form, I guess is how they say it in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, when it says that there'd be enmity between thee and the woman. And the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent would bruise his heel. And it speaks about how Christ would deal Satan a death blow. He would conquer death, but in the process, he would also be bruised. He would he would have to give us he was give us life. And so he was he was the, a lamb slain. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world. You know the Jews thought they you know the Jews and. This doesn't take away personal responsibility because Peter says, you know, it was by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. This was God's plan all along. But they, he says, ye have taken by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. You know, the Jews thought they were ridding themselves of the one who exposed them for their sin and wickedness. And they were willingly ignorant that they were fulfilling the will of God. For the plan of redemption for all mankind, even for their own sin. You know, Jesus said in John 15, 22 and 24 through 24, he said, If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hated me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works, again, the miracles, the wonders, the signs, the works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now they have they both seen and hated both me and my father. You see, they, they understood these prophecies concerning him. They were the, supposed to be the Bible scholars of the day that knew the Old Testament prophecies. They knew about them. They knew that it, where he was to be born in Bethlehem. They're the ones that told Herod. 
and the wise men. But he exposed them for their sin. And they instead crucified him and rejected him and crucified him. But this all along was the plan of God that he would die. You know, the, the death of, uh, 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 for the sin of the world was the plan of God from the very beginning. From the beginning, it is God who initiates, provides a way of reconciliation between God and man. Very clear back in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, when man sinned, it was God that came into the garden seeking Adam. Where art thou? See, God is initiating reconciliation. God is the one that's provided for it. He slew animals and, and made coats of skins to clothe them. Speaks of a substitute. Provided coats of skin. That which speaks also the fact that we can be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Clothed in his righteousness alone. In Genesis 12, it was God that called Abram out of the earth of the Chaldees, the land of idolatry, to call out a people for his name, through which all the nations of the earth should be blessed. It was in Genesis 22, 8 that Abraham said, God will provide him, God will provide. You see, God will provide himself a lamb. It was later that God would tell Abraham that in Isaac, the promised son, would thy seed be called. And Isaac is a type of Christ, the son of God. And Jesus himself said in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoso believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in John six fifty one, he said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And we know in John 10, 17, 18, Jesus said, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You see, God, it is God that provided the sacrifice for sin. Matthew 20, 28. The Lord Jesus said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. And so we see very clearly that it is God that has provided salvation, this salvation for us. He was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And though the Jews were the instruments through whom the crucifixion and the Romans, through whom the crucifixion came, it was our sin that put him on that cross. It was our sin. Thirdly, we see here that his death and resurrection proved his person as the Son of God. Notice verse 24. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. The Bible says here it's not possible. Now, we say, and the Bible says in Luke one thirty seven, for God nothing shall be impossible, right? You know, I asked a question of some teenagers one day. I said, uh, uh, is there anything that God can't do? And uh, I had one, you know, wise one in there, and, and, and you know, and I, and I was expecting, you know, God can do anything, you know, that's what people commonly say. And one, one lady say, uh, oh, yeah, there is one thing God can't do. God can't sin. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
We say, the Bible says, all things are possible with God. However, there are some things God will not and cannot do. He cannot contradict himself. He cannot sin. After all, that would be a contradict of himself because his name is holy. He is holy. It is not possible, the Bible says here, it was not possible that he should be holden of death. Death could not hold him. Death could not retain him. And this is what Peter rehearses to these Jews on the day of Pentecost, that his death and resurrection proved him to be the Son of God, because it is not possible that he could be holden of death. And he explains that in verses 25 through 36, where he says, For David, and, and this is a prophecy concerning this, David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, because he's on my, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. I have an expectation. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. The Holy One is a reference to Christ. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to his flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. His, he, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. And this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. And it was the speaking in tongues. For David is not ascended into heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on thy, my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So it was not possible. You know, this is a quotation, all these quotations from the book of Psalms. Psalm 16, says, 10 says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Psalm 110, verse 1, The Lord said unto my O Lord, Sit thou in my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And God hath made Jesus both Lord and Christ, proving him to be the Son of God with power, because death could not hold him. Could not hold him. His resurrection proved his person, that he is Lord. The word Lord means having power or authority, he to whom a person or thing belongs. He's our Lord. We belong to Him. He has all authority. And one day that's going to be very clear. As the psalmist here says in uh, uh, verse 34 and 35, David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Oh, the father said to the son, Sit thou in my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things on the earth, 
that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, God approved him and he is the Lord, as the Lord. Paul would write to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.14 that thou keep this command without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is a blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. See, he is the Lord. He's been approved or demonstrated, declared to be the Lord of glory. Uh, of whom he was prophesied, uh, David's, David prophesied concerning him. He's also the Christ. Peter said he's both Lord and Christ. Now, the word Christ, or the name Christ, is a descriptive title, which means anointed or Messiah, which sets him apart, again, as the approved or chosen of God for the, as a sacrifice for sin. Uh, it, the, the name Emmanuel means very similar. And, of course, that means God with us. And, of course, in that passage in Matthew 1, it says that he would save his people from, our, from their sins. You know, God with us would save us from our sins. So that he became a man, and through his death and resurrection, he might save man from our sins. You know, these, are, these prove the person of the Lord Jesus Christ for who he is. These are like signposts. These are signposts that many wonder at, that wonder at. Uh, even throughout his earthly ministry, his, his miracles and signs proved his person of who he was. In uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, And all they that heard it wondered those things which were told them by the shepherds. You know, the shepherds recorded what they had seen and heard, and, and all the people wondered those things. In Luke chapter 8, uh, he said unto the disciples, Where is your faith? And they being afraid, wondering, saying one another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Luke 9.43 says they were all amazed with the mighty power of God, but while they wondered, every one of all, all the things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples. So they all wondered. Luke 11.14, he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb, and it came to pass when the devil was going out, the dumb spake, the people wondered. And of course, after his resurrection, in Luke 24.41, it says, while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, have you any meat? Have you any meat? You know, how often we have people wondering at his baptism, at the, at the transfiguration, there came this voice out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son, hear you him. He turned water into wine. People wondered. At his death, the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. When he gave up the ghost, the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. Graves were opened. Even Pilate, 
the governor. It says, and he answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. And when he was declared to be dead, Pilate marveled if he were already dead, calling unto him a centurion, and he asked him whether he was been any while dead. See, all these are signs. And this is what the Lord says. He says, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. Here's your sign. Your family was together yesterday and some were sharing testimonies. And one shared how, how that the Bible is logical. You know, we heard in Sunday school class this morning. The logic of an ark. The size of what's declared in the Bible. It's, it's logical. You know, we are to accept it by faith, but it makes logical sense. God is declaring to us by miracles, wonders, and signs which were done by him in the midst of humanity. That this Jesus is the approved sacrifice for sin. He's the only sacrifice for sin. We hear a lot today about my wife and I were talking about this a week, and she was sharing how, how that some people say, well, you know, there's some people that just believe that there's only one way and everybody else is going to hell. Well, that is true. You better be, you gotta be careful how you answer that. But there is an authority. It is the Word of God. And it is true. There was only one way to be saved during the flood. That was on the ark. Everyone else perished. There's only one approved way for a man, woman, boy, or girl to have eternal life. And that is the way of God through Jesus Christ, the Lord. You Have you come to God His way? Have you received His approved sacrifice for sin? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. There's much evidence. There are many signs. And the Lord's saying, look, here's your signs. Trust in him. Believe his word. It is without refute. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. For your word, we thank you for the truth of thy word. We thank you for the evidence that is given in thy word. Proving, declaring the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary for our sin. Father, we pray that you help us as your people to be salt and light. Declaring this truth to a lost and dying world. We pray that you be in our midst who have questions or doubts about life eternal. The Spirit of God would work in their hearts. I pray that they'd make that known to us. We can show them from the Scriptures how they can have assurance in life everlasting. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.